You've probably heard the phrase off the cuff. It's a shorthand for something like spontaneous or unrehearsed. And that is totally what today is about. We are off the cuff. You know, marriage is just like that. It's spontaneous and unrehearsed. Amen. And who has the owner's manual? <laughs> I guess the same goes with like starting a family or raising your kids. Amen. We are totally off the cuff today. You might also be familiar with that. And just to give you a little history of where those quotes and those little limericks come from, it stems from pre-20th century practice of performers jotting the lines on their short cuffs. Hmm. They put it on their shirt cuffs and it provided a discreet white space for their perfunctory notes. Yep, they literally wrote it on their shirt sleeve. <laughs> the curiosity of this, the same handy phrase, may have been in everyday use for decades before it appeared in print in 1936. That same year, Charlie Chaplin's classic film, Modern Times, in 1936, featured a scene where Chaplin's tramp writes lyrics on his shirt cuffs, only to have them going flying off once he hits the stage, leaving him to improvise, and it was a total hilarious effect. So the earliest known appearance of Off the Cuff in ink was in Los Angeles Times, an article bearing the headline, Directors Turn Back Time. Again, shoot off the cuff. I picked up some of these hints and notes today. I want to give credit to Eric. He's a copywriter for Uncommon Goods. Now, isn't that fun? Well, welcome. This is Intentional Now podcast, and it is an engaging workshop discussion on change and purpose and redefining what we say yes to. Hello, I am your hostess, Kristen Wombeck. I am a spiritual entrepreneur. I am chasing bold dreams, doing the work, asking, I mean, asking really good questions and getting life done. Done? Hmm. Well, the life that we're meant to live. Shall we do this? <laughs> so today we are totally off the cuff. It is my 37th wedding anniversary today and friends, family, and my husband and I are planning an impromptu dinner at our favorite Mexican food restaurant, El Patron, here in Corvallis, Oregon. I'm just giving them a little shout out. It's absolutely delicious food. Now, isn't that it true? Let me tell you, a good marriage is like a casserole. Only those responsible for it really know what goes inside. Amen? <laughs> I'm going to say that again. Get you to smile and laugh, right? A good marriage is like a casserole. Only those responsible for it really knows what goes inside. I am just so guilty of making what I call refrigerator casseroles. <laughs> so today's takeaways is a couple marital do's and don'ts, okay? And let's just start off right there, okay? So ladies, 
and I'm probably going to be focusing more on ladies. Is that okay? <laughs> so allow your husband his time and space. Mm-hmm. And also allow yourself your time and your space. Boy, I learned that later on, much, much later. So the purpose of you allowing yourself your personal care time and space is because you put deposits of self-care into your life and you perform, you feel better about yourself because you are putting yourself first. And sometimes that's a really hard lesson for us wives and moms. Okay, another little hint, a marital do's and don'ts, share your dreams. Mm -hmm. Share your dreams that you dream at night. Share your dreams that you talk about with God. Share your dreams of how you see your life. Share your dreams of what God has put in your heart. Share your dreams. When you share your dreams, then your husband, your spouse begins to carry your dreams with you. And, you know, all of a sudden he's dreaming dreams, literally, that coincide and confirm and God speaks through him regarding the dreams and desires in your heart. Okay, ladies, this is just for the ladies. This is for the ladies. Housework and homework are everyone's responsibility. Mm-hmm. Ask, allow, Teach, encourage your husband to be your partner in the home. Mm -hmm. I know way too many ladies that even in their retired years have, well, they don't leave any room for their husband to help because they do it all the time. Mm -hmm. No, it's something that we share together. And I have another one here. Business is no excuse. Busyness is no excuse not to bake. Mm -hmm. I probably have to remind myself of that one more often than the others. Busyness is no excuse not to bake. When I bake, first of all, I enjoy baking. I get the joy of being creative and baking. But my husband he absolutely loves it. We have to remember that we keep into consideration making deposits in your spouse's love languages. Amen? Okay, okay. So, marital do's and don'ts. Allow your husband his time and space. Mm -hmm. Allow yourself time and space. Share your dreams. Share the housework and homework and responsibilities. Yes, share those. And busyness is no excuse not to bake. <laughs> For me and all of my guys in my household and family, baking, it just feeds the heart. Amen? Okay. So today, since we are impromptu, off the cut... And I'm talking specifically about marriage. <laughs> I am going to share with you some of my best stories, all right? Um, my first story is I met my husband, Don, in San Diego, California. And in our dating years, 
we used to race Hobie cats、um, together. That is that a small catamaran. Catamaran. I said it. Let me practice it. Catamaran sailboat.、Mm-hmm. And so, our was it our very first race? Hmm, only Don can tell me. But one of our first races is we traveled with Fleet Four、um, out of Mission Bay. It was a group of people, and we traveled to Lake Havasu in Arizona. That's a reservoir, a recreational site. Um, on the Colorado River between Arizona and southeastern California, and the interesting thing about Lake Havasu is the original London Bridge is there.、Mm-hmm. It's quite fascinating how they moved it there. So our story takes places where we're newbies, we're rookies. We take this this brand new to a sailboat. And this is before we were married, and so we signed up for the rookie class sailing, and we went, and we had our gear on the sailboat, and the、um, your life jackets, and then on the hobby cats, the catamarans, you trap out. Meaning, when the wind catches your sail, the other、um, hole would lift up out of the water. And you would stand on the hole, and you'd be cabled, called trapped out, and you'd be standing on the hole when you're catching a really good wind, just scooting along the water, right? So you had what is called a butt bucket, or it looks like a diaper, <laughs> and you were hooked to a cable, and you were strapped out. So we were getting ready for the race, and my husband, my husband, had what he calls flip flops. No, he doesn't call them flip flops. He calls them jap flaps.、Mm, that's not politically correct anymore. I apologize, but he had them, and you know these little two dollar flip flops, and they just kind of blew off the tarp of the sailboat. So what does he do? He wants me to hop in and swim and go get them, and I have all my gear on. Well, note to self. Why am I almost drowning myself on a pair of two-dollar flip-flops, right? And then the wind picked up, and my husband was hardly able to get back to me, and it was just crazy. And this is just how our our trip, our first sailing trip, you know, kind of happened. And so we were back on shore. We did really well、um, in our first race. We did really well. And so my husband came. No, he wasn't my husband. Don came to me, handed me the money. He handed me all the money. He says, "Here, I want you to hang on to this because this is our gas money home." I went, "Okay, yeah, I'll hang on to this for you." And then you know the day went on. It ended up that our second race,、um, I stepped aside as crew, and our friend Mick, him and my and Don. They went ahead and took our place in the race, and they ended up. We ended up getting third in the rookie class, and it was really, really exciting. So you know, we actually placed the very first time that we we sailed. And so you've been out racing in the hot sun all day, and you're sunburned. We come back and we won, and so everybody is having longer. Island, <laughs> Long Island iced teas on the beach, and we had just such a great day. You know, we'd won, and we had more Long Island iced teas, right? And 
Then we pack up and we get ready to go home. It was probably a three-day weekend and everyone's tired and, and way over sunburned. And now we're heading back. We're heading back at night um, across the, Ari the Arizona desert, right? And, um, and then all of a sudden my husband hears this clink, 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 clink. And he knew because he's a mechanic and he knew that the drain plug in his oil had just fallen off of this, of our Subaru Brett. Clink, 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 clink. So he got out, he unloaded his bicycle that was tied onto the sailboat and he rode down the highway trying to find his drain plug so that he could take spare oil, one, because he lost all his oil, and then he could put it back in. Well, he couldn't find it. So ingenious that he is, he pulled the drain plug out of the back of the Hobie Cat and took a little bit of that, oh, what's that blue silicone stuff? And he wrapped it and he stuck it into the where the oil goes and we put in, we had one can of oil and he put it back into the car and off we were. So then he finally says to me, he says, hey, can you, um, can you give me the money that we saved for gas? And I went, what? And he goes, no, remember the money that I gave you and asked you to keep it, hang on to it for gas. And I go, uh-huh. And I go, um, I don't have it. And he goes, what do you mean you don't have it? And I said, well, remember when we were back on the beach and you asked me, why don't you just buy everybody more Long Island iced teas? Well, I go, yeah, you want me to use the money? And you shook your head at me. Well, so we bought everybody Long Island iced teas with the gas money. Uh-oh. And he goes, you mean you bought drinks for everybody with our gas money? I went, uh-huh. So here we were in the middle of the desert. <laughs> with the coyotes howling and our dogs with us. And the very next morning, I am starting a brand new job. Do we sound like young people or what? So we drive um, to the next town. And I think we scrounged up, oh, maybe five bucks between us. And he put in a little bit of gas. And we kept driving and driving, driving straight through the night. And, and he was really, really tired. And our friend Mick and Sue, they were traveling in tandem along with us. They were tired. So we pulled over. He says, I got to rest my eyes, right? Got to rest my eyes. So we pulled into a um, rest stop just to close our eyes for a little while so that he can continue driving us, getting us back to San Diego. So he woke up and he noticed that Mick had moved. And so we went ahead and headed down the highway. And I have to show up for my very brand new job at 8 o'clock in the morning. And we are just getting up over, not quite into El Cajon, where you come over that hump from the desert into the mountains to go down into San Diego. And all of a sudden, the, the you know, he looks at the, the gas, the fuel tank, and he says, we got to get gas. So we pull in the gas station, and we lift up all the floor mats and literally count 90 cents from under the floor mats and put that much of premium gas into the, um, the Subaru Brat. Well, then next, Don goes into the back, and he gets out some Coleman fuel, 
you know, in those little metal containers. <laughs> and he poured Coleman fuel in his Subaru Brat and it pinged so loud. Ping, 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 ping all the way home. But it actually worked and it burned it and got me home in time to start my new job. Isn't that insane? It's super crazy what you do when you are young and in love, right? <laughs> oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. What a great story, huh? So I have, that was, that's the one that we, we tell all the time. It's so funny. Now I have a, another story for to tell you. And it's when it's it's the trying story, right? So if you throw your hat in, you know, I was, I think in every marriage, it comes to a point where you're just ready, just like, I am throwing my hat in, I am done. Have you been there? Uh-huh. I know you've been there. I've been there. And so I wanted to share that with you because those are the ebb and the flow and, and the highs and the lows that every relationship walks through. So um, we had moved from San Diego when my eldest son was about 18 months and we bought an old schoolhouse on Boone's Ferry Road in Woodburn. And now we had two baby boys and um, see three and one, something like that. And you know, when as a as a parent, as a mom, a stay at home mom, oh, it's just a lot of work to take care of the little ones. And in in I'm trying to say. It is really easy for both partners, both people to get consumed in what they are focused on and therefore you neglect one another. So my husband is working, 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 trying to provide for a small family. And I am focused on raising the family and changing diapers and potty training and all of that. And I was probably pregnant again. And sometimes we can feel tremendously neglected and misunderstood. And when you're young in the marriage, that misunderstanding can just create this wall between you. And I got to this point that um, my husband is never going to understand. He's never going to understand me and felt totally neglected. And I really did. I said, I'm throwing my hat in. I got so angry. And, you know, I packed up the boys and took them. We went to my mom's. And high in sight now today, what that choice did, it just made Dawn angrier. It didn't help. It didn't shake him up. It didn't wake him up. It didn't wake us up. It just created more anger. And from that anger, that wasn't going to help. So by the grace of God, literally, he got a hold of me and my bootstraps and I just kind of said, well, we can do this. And so, you know, I moved back home and we patched things up and we continued to work on it. And I had two more babies. <laughs> you get so busy. Um, you know, four boys. And but yes, I just wanted to take a minute here to say, I understand and I hear you when you want to throw your hat in and you're done. Yeah. And I'm so glad that God helped me find 
the wherewithal and the strength to see it through. I am so thankful. I have another quote for you. I just love this. A successful marriage requires falling in love many times. And it's always with the same person. Minion McLaughlin. A successful marriage requires falling in love many times. And with that, we fall out of love, but with the same person. Have you ever said, I love you, but I don't like you? <laughs> um, yes. And it goes both ways. Sometimes I am terribly unlikable, right? <laughs> okay, moving on. Just a couple of fun things here off the cuff, talking about marriage and just sharing with you today, how did we get to 37 years of marriage? So um, when my husband and I met each other and were dating, um, I was not paying attention to Jesus at that time. Not at all. So I had met him when I was eight years old. Um, the unfinished book tells you about my story and my journey. But I wasn't really paying attention to the Lord. I wasn't listening to him. Hadn't developed any particular relationship of maturity with him at all. So one of the huge miracles of my relationship with Don is, so I went to a pretty, a absolutely non, can't say I was a non-believer because I believed, but I was not active in relationship with Christ. And then I turn into this total Jesus freak. Mm-hmm. Because Jesus is the one who saved my marriage, saved me, transformed me, helped me to be a good person, um, a good wife, a good mom, and learned how to love and respect myself. Mm -hmm. So my husband, through this total transformation of his wife, turning into a Jesus freak and totally loving God and that whole journey of stepping into heaven and everything changes. My husband traveled that journey with me very successfully. And that is the largest miracle I can share with you today. That, that is just a miracle to the authenticity of the spirit of God. Amen. So I'm going to tell you one of my favorite testimonies hidden back in there, and uh, it's going to make you laugh for sure. So in my early days of the baptism of the Holy Spirit, who, who, fire me up, Jesus. So a dear friend of mine, we were attending a Lutheran church in Aurora, Oregon, and what was so funny about this church is that all of the leadership, including the pastor and wife, were all tongue-talking, Pentecostal, you know, um, filled with the Holy Spirit, baptized in the Holy Spirit. And we all attended this Lutheran church. And they never talked about it except for when we weren't at church. <laughs> totally. 
totally funny, but I just treasure that memory. So I was leading the worship team at that time. And so the worship team headed for a conference, a worship conference in Irvine, Texas. So I'm growing and I'm learning and I'm fiery on fire with Jesus and and learning what it is from my conservative roots to stretch out and offer Jesus my worship, my praise, my adoration. So there were a lot of moments of uncomfort that I had to step over again and again and again, you know, raising your hands, even clapping in church and and standing up and all of this. So a couple of things in this conference. First of all, I have to share with you is we arrived um, several hours early and this large hotel that they were having the conference in. And my friend Lori and I went and we checked out the conference hall and they were still setting up and there was lots of workmen there and they were getting things organized. And I noticed that there were these workmen and they were setting up the platform and then they were trying to set up Oh, a pretty kind of framework over the top of the platform. Now, um, I'm really into decor and all that kind of stuff. And these were a bunch of like construction kind of men and they were trying to set up this pretty stuff. I call it bow and poof, <laughs> you know, making it pretty so it frames the room and it looks attractive. They didn't have a clue. No, they didn't have a clue. So I walked across the conference floor and my friend Lloyd goes, where are you going? I go, just a minute, I'll be right back. And I walked up to these um, hotel workers that look like construction guys. And there was one on top of a 20 foot ladder. And I go, excuse me, hello, excuse me. Would you come down here for a minute, please? And of course, Sounding like the demanding wife, he comes right down, climbs down, and I climb right up the ladder, and I grab all the fabric, and I knotted it, and shaped it, and draped it just perfectly, and I climbed back down the ladder, and they realized I was not a hotel worker. <laughs> and I said to them, I couldn't have sat here in this audience for three days and looked at that crooked bow and poof. Now I got you laughing, right? I know. A little too much focus here and too much coffee. <laughs> so that is how we started this worship conference. Well, into this worship conference, which a worship conference means there's all worshipers there. And it was like 3,000 and, oh, in my early days. And so I had never experienced dancing um, in a worship setting publicly. And that was kind of like an area that God was expanding in me. And I remember it so clearly. And so people were standing up, a worship set was going on, it was the evening, and, and I got out of my seat, and I'd never done this before. I got out of my seat, and I walked to, you know, the back of the conference room where you wouldn't be seated, seen, and I started to dance to the Lord. And I danced to the Lord, and I danced, and I just 
disappeared in dancing to the Lord. And so I gave him my feet. I gave him my whole body. And it was such a beautiful moment. So then the worship set was finished and, you know, people ended up going back to their seats and sitting down. And I came back and I was sitting next to my friend, Lori, and a new acquaintance that we had met from Mexico. And I sat down and I began to vibrate. And I began to vibrate. And I began to vibrate so much that I was unable to remain in my seat. It was like I was vibrating into this pool. And my friends kept looking at me like, what are you doing? Get a hold of yourself. And they kept grabbing me, trying to get me into my seat to stay put. And I was vibrating with the electric power and the presence of God. And I was a puddle on the floor, vibrating, quivering, shaking. (laughs) So the end of that story is, and nobody around me had ever had any experience with that kind of manifestation. (laughs) It was absolutely wonderful to feel the electricity and the magnitude and power of God. (laughs) I didn't understand it at that time, but... It was his way of saying, honey, I really enjoyed you offering me your whole body and your dancing feet. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I can remember it. That's before I knew anything about renewal or revivals or whew, things have changed. <laughs> okay. Moving right along in our little off-the-cuff impromptu, talking about a marriage here on a very special day. So I wanted to share with you a couple pinch-me moments. Because you know, gratitude and gratefulness is really important for refreshing yourself in any type of relationship, whether it's with your children, um, friends, um, church family, spouse, when you make note of all the things that you're grateful for, and it just helps. It's a miracle and how much it helps. So when I say these are pinch me moments, these are pinch me moments that I remember Um, with my husband, and I treasure him. One of them was we, our son was stationed um, in Hawaii after um, a tour, two tours in Afghanistan in the Marine Corps. And um, he was exactly in the same base that my husband was when he served in the Marines um, during the Vietnam War. So it was really an exciting trip to Hawaii. But that pinch me moment when we were sitting at Turtle Bay, which is a resort, we visited there for the day, and we were drinking Mai Tais just up on the rocky cliff, and we were watching surfers surf the evening waves. And it was one of those pinch me moments. And I just remember, and I thank the Lord that I'm Here, I'm here with my husband in this glorious, wonderful, beautiful, tropical place. Mm -hmm. Another pinch me moment that 
Um, I have quite a bit of language for is my husband and I have shared our love of sailing with our family and continued that language throughout our relationship. And we have sailed in the San Juans, which are up in Puget Sound area, and they're absolutely wonderful. I could tell you so many stories. But when we have the opportunity to go there, it's a pinch me moment sitting on a sailboat. And my husband loves captaining um, sailboats. We've had two sailboats in ownership. We have one now. And then there was about 10 years that we did a bare boat charter and we rented boats and my husband sailed them and we took friends and family with us. But the San Juans are gorgeous, gorgeous, gorgeous islands. And... Um, oh, I mean, you can just imagine dangling your feet off the, the, the front of your sailboat and hearing the, um, the cables and um, the boom and stuff, how they clank on the mast. And you're looking around and it's just gorgeous. And you're absolutely with your most favorite people in the world. Mm -hmm. That's what I call a pinch me moment. Those are very important. <laughs> I have another pinch me moment. Maybe it's a pinch me moment for my husband, right? So I am currently 63. I will be 64 in July and on my 60th birthday. So boy, we have a lot of birthdays and I like to make them special. And I, you know, you have a 60th birthday and I didn't want to forget it. I wanted it to be special. I wanted it to be imprinted in my brain. And I'd had a conversation with the Lord on it of, you know, I will remember it more, not for the gift that I receive, but for the gift in which I give. So my husband and I went out motorcycle shopping for him. And on my 60th birthday, I bought him a 2010 Harley-Davidson Softail Custom Bike in red. And we have enjoyed that for three years now. And that was the smartest thing that I've ever done for our marriage is by buying him a Harley. First and foremost, um, now our boys have Harleys and we ride together as a family. And that's another pinch me moment. Um, somebody asked me the other day, currently I just ride behind my husband. Currently I don't have my endorsement. I've considered it. Hmm. I'll let you know. <laughs> but when she asked me, she goes, well, what's it like to ride a motorcycle? I said, hmm. Well, when the wind is slapping your face at 50 some odd plus miles per hour, it wakes you up to life. It wakes you up to life. It's just wonderful. And when I bought my husband a Harley, I, how would I say that? Um, it's like I sewed into his masculinity. I sold into him saying, you are my virile husband. And I believe in you. And every time 
we ride together, he has that persona of this big, attractive, tough guy on a Harley, right? And it works, and it's just a pinch-me moment every time we ride together. Mm -hmm. See? I had some humor. I shared some funny things and challenges. Oh, my gosh, challenges. And mm, I'm going to keep going here. So I wanted to share with you, and I think I've shared it a couple of different episodes, but it is so valuable that we continue to meditate in the season that we're in on what God gives us. And so this is my, what I say, in this life. It's my life scripture today, right, that I'm marinating on in sitting in the the intersection of grace, looking at the door of trust, looking at trust on the corner. Yep, you have to listen to those prior episodes, and I explained it all, but it is so, this is where I am. I have more to share with you there, but I wanted to celebrate marriage, my marriage today with you and encourage you. So from Colossians 1.23, remain under the influence of, of what your faith knows to be true about you. Firmly consolidated in the foundation of your belief so that nothing can distract you from the expectation of the gospel. A hope that is consistent with what you have heard. And Paul says, just as I, Paul, am in the ministry to proclaim the one and only message that rings true with resonance in all of creation under heaven. The dimension of the invisible spiritual realm. You stay grounded and steady in the bond of trust, constantly tuned into the message and careful not to be distracted or diverted. There is no other message. Just one. Just one. And every creature under heaven and on the earth gets the same message. So I marinate and God tells me, remain under the influence of your faith, Kristen. Remain. Remain looking at it. Remain focusing on it. And Focus on how God has spoken to you and about you. Focus on it. When distraction comes and tries to knock, you focus on what God has spoken to you. That's why our experiences and our encounters with stepping beyond the veil are so important. They are life-giving. And he tells us to remain on track. Remain on track, not distracted. Focus firmly on the foundation of your belief. Focus on the foundation of what you believe. And I encourage you, go back, listen to episode 58. It's in and out the door of trust. Because if you're struggling with distraction, this will help you. There's an alive activation there and it's absolutely wonderful. So from the expectation of the gospel, see, 
I have expectation of the gospel in my life because of my relationship, my relationship with ascending with him who is seated at the right hand of the father. I have expectation of him in me. And the good news about that is your complete restoration in him. My complete restoration in him. And I meditate. I meditate on the hope that God showed me. Meditate on the hope that God shows you. What he told you, what he taught you, what you focused on, what he highlighted, what you smelled. You meditate on it. There's hope there and you meditate and you marinate in it. And you write it down 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 and you write it down. This is just, yes, a short infomercial on journaling. (laughs) Yes, the link will be below. If there was one piece of wisdom and tool that I could give you, or like they say, what three things would you take on a desert island if you were stranded there? (laughs) I would take my journal. You have to write it down. You have to write it down so that you can marinate it. When you write it down, what God has shown you and taught you and, and you've smelled and you've tasted and you heard and you felt and you dreamed it, dreamt it, then it's honoring that relationship that I value what I'm growing and being transformed in and through. I honor you, God, and I write it down. And I never lose or misplace a word. Never, 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 never. You need this. It's a must-have habit and a skill for your life. Mm-hmm. Yep, you need to come talk to me and find the link. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> so remember, there's only one message, and that is Jesus Christ died and he's resurrected. And so are you and so am I. We are resurrected in him, period, end of story. And all focus is towards his reign as king, seated next to the father. And our focus is to learn and to hear the true sound and resonance in all creation under heaven. All creation, remember, remember, every creature gets the same message. Restoration. Remember what I said last week? Every broken piece, every morsel, every animal, every being, everything, every broken area gets the same restoration. (sighs) A wonderful quote from Angelita Lim. And it ties up our threads today. (laughs) You know, I saw that you were perfect. And so I loved you. Then I also saw that you were not perfect. And I love you even more. (laughs) It requires more love, doesn't it? When you see imperfections in ourself, 
in our understanding, in our mindsets, in our spouses, in our family, it requires more love. To love that which is behaving imperfectly. But remember, God sees us. He looks at us as perfect, the way he looks at Jesus Christ. I saw that you were perfect, and so I loved you. And then I saw you were not perfect, and I loved you even more. <laughs> this has been just a total delight, and oh my goodness, look how long I talked. <laughs> And we just were off the cuff today, and today we actually wrote a few things on our shirt sleeves, and now we have them there to treasure them between us, right? Thank you so much for spending this time with me. All the links are below with bunches of goodies and good stuff. You know, I love to help you in life. I like to help you succeed in life and the marketplace. And yep, I can be found in all social media. Just come and find me. I love to hear your questions and comments. And you know, it would really bless me if you would leave a five-star review. That would be absolutely encouraging and a tremendous gift for me today, being that it is my 37th wedding anniversary. Well, I shared some of my day with you. And thank you for sharing some of your day with me. And I will talk to you again next week, okay? Love you lots. Bye now.